welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 195. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Voyager's second season episodes, Prototype, Alliances, and Threshold. Here we go. Prototype, Season 2, Episode 13, Production Code 129, Original Air Date, January 15th, 1996, Directed by Jonathan Frakes, written by Nicholas Correa, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Rick Worthy as 3947 and Hugh Hodgson as 6263. Voyager discovers a robot's battered body floating in space. Once aboard, it is examined by Lieutenant Tuvok, Captain Janeway, and Lieutenant Torres, and found to have a quickly drying plasma-based energy source. Tuvok suggests that they let the source fizzle out and examine the body in an incapacitated state, but Torres suggests they try to revive the robot to discover more about it. For the sake of scientific exploration, Janeway agrees with Torres. I'm Lieutenant Belana Torres of the Federation Starship Voyager. I'm Automated Unit 3947. Thank you for reactivating me, Lieutenant Belana Torres. Prototype. My notes on this one look all funny, like because my, my cat was kind of laying on my arm while I was typing, so I was kind of trying to type one-handed, uh, which is very relevant to the discussion of this episode. Uh, before we started our pre-recording chat, Adam kind of mentioned, uh, I think you said this is the only one you kind of kind of like today. Yeah. But, but maybe don't love. Somehow, I like this episode a lot. I don't know. It's one of those episodes where... I think it's just it's got the kind of stuff that I like, and it clicks clicks for me in in a way. So it's it's like I like it more than I like it more just for personal subjective kind of reasons. But I actually I know a lot of people think the robots look cheesy, but there's something about I like them, and it's I don't see them and think of some '50s sci-fi cheesy thing. I just think they look. I just think they look neat. I thought they found a cool balance between, you know, making something on a limited budget and making them seem advanced. And I really love the voice work. I love their voices. They're that almost, you know, that Hal-like kind of monotone, terrifying. <laughs> And then I think it also, I'm just jumping all over the place here, but I think it has it has some solid stuff for Torres. Adam, since you said you like this one, why don't you start us? Prototype, yeah, I think it's a it's a good solid episode, especially for season two. You know, we've kind of had a lot of duds in season two, um, and we'll get into that later on throughout this specific podcast. But I think Prototype has a um, it's well organized. It has a story to tell. It has something to say. And I agree with you that it's um, it's a really good episode for um, Taurus. Um, a lot of the episode begins with her trying to figure out how to bring this um, this robot, this android, um, back to life. Um, and to me, those um, those things are interesting. You know, we see her go to um, the mess hall and she has her conversation with Neelix. And then she has goes to sick bay and she has her conversation with the doctor. And you kind of you get a sense of, um, you know, not just her drive, but her commitment to something when 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 she feels strongly about it. And I, I think um, this episode um, demonstrates um, 
her strong sense of character when when she feels like she needs to get when she needs she feels like she she's on the right course and um i, I think that came out abundantly in this episode and it's um it's a very good episode for her steve yeah i like this one okay um i you know i think it's i think it's probably above average for a season two episode maybe average in general i like it fine i, I do think it is good for torres i i one thing on that since we were talking about um you know how she comes across and and the uh well the passion she shows for this it's it's to me it's a little unclear why she's so passionate about it i wish there was a little more backstory in terms of what makes her so you know passionate about you know doing this bringing this bringing this you know creating life through this do it going forward with this i mean i i get it i get it and i think it has something to say and it's cool and all but it comes out of nowhere, you know. Just a line is all they would have needed to really focus yeah. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I certainly don't have any problem with the way they look. You know, I mean, I, I get it that there's kind of a, a retro thing and it's very, you know, but they why would they need to make them look be perfectly looking like um, whatever species they were, right? I mean, they could just be a metal. They wouldn't need to look like have any humanoid features whatsoever, right? So why not look like the way they do? It's, it's cool. You know, at least it's, it's something interesting, you know? So, um, yeah, I like this one. Okay. Yeah. I think my only question about this episode, Brian, is I'm, I'm not convinced that the, um, the robots or the Android, I'm not convinced that they're actually sentient. You know, they kind of go and they kind of, they kind of rely on that heavy, at the end of the episode, you know, they have that scene at the end where Janeway says, you know, you created life and such. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just not convinced that they're such. And the reason for that is they don't seem to have any um, – they didn't really have seem to have any original thought on their own. They just seem to be following their programming um, throughout the whole episode. And I think some original – I think that this episode, to kind of give it a little bit more weight um, – the androids needed to have a little bit more humanity or a little bit more individuality amongst themselves they seem to be very um very drone-like to me and so i'm not not necessarily convinced that they were actually sentient beings do you consider the borg sentient yeah but they that's a whole different that's a collective so there's one sentience but that's a collective and well and the difference between the borg and say this one if you're bringing that up is that these these androids were following programming from their creators. I mean, I don't think we ever got that from the Borg, so I don't think that's a very good um, comparison. Well, I think the issue of sentience. I mean, there there are some clear cut, you know, uh, qualifications that need to be met to have that. I think the issue in this episode maybe is how much you can empathize with the with those beings in some respect. You know, I mean, when the when the uh, robot that she brings to life is just laying there and asking for instructions to begin. And we don't, you know, you don't get any kind of emotive anything out of the other ones, you know, and their program is pretty straightforward. Like they have a task, they have a job and they follow that, you know, um, it's hard to, it's hard to relate kind of. So I don't think you get any vibe on, I, I really give a rip that that's created, nor do I care that it's killed. Um, you know, th this kind of stuff. I mean, I, maybe that could have, been done up a little better you know that but yeah uh, well, I, I think i disagree with you there because i did feel i feel felt a little something i i agree that she needed a more clear kind of motivation from a writing standpoint like why is she so passionate about this but if you accept that she is 
then I felt a little something when she had to kill her baby. See, I got nothing from that. I felt that I, I felt they needed to to give these creatures some more individuality. They they just really honestly they were just very much drone like, and so I didn't feel any weight behind the end scene when you know her and Janeway were you know talking about oh you created life because it just didn't really feel like it was it felt like they she just made a robot after she saves uh, the first robot it's kind of you know its programming was not find someone that can help us reproduce and kidnap her that's true that's true i'm not saying they didn't touch on it i just think they needed to do more to individualize these these robots well i'm just saying that there's an element of of self-preservation and sentience there that made me feel some empathy for them, even though he's doing something evil by kidnapping her. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, that would, like I said, that's kind of my only issue with the with the episode that I had. Um, I thought the opening bit was kind of neat. It kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, the POV stuff with the with the robot. It kind of reminded me of like RoboCop when they first right, right, <laughs> you know, yeah. But I thought that was kind of neat and, and and different, you know, for all the basically the whole teaser was just this first person point of view thing mm-hmm. that was fun. Is this episode about anything? Well, I think you know we've kind of touched on it a little bit. And, you know, I, you know what is life? I think you know the question of sentient life. I think that's kind of explored a little bit in there in this um, creation of life. We have um, personal drive from Blana. I agree with you guys that you know they could have threw in a line there to kind of kind of explain that a little bit more um yeah that's kind of what i got from it what that's what they were trying to say and i think the whole notion of uh war and the futility behind it they definitely touch on i mean uh, they're 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 continuing on this this they're continuing in this war against each other because they're programmed to do so and yes they are sentient by all definition and this kind of thing but i think the point is is that um, oftentimes there's conflicts or there's at the, or even on a smaller scale disagreements and arguments and feuds and this kind of thing that it, it, it's difficult to trace back why we began doing that. And this is, this is a, this is a theme that has been touched on in other Trek episodes. Um, but, um, I, I do think that's, that's an important point here too, is the futility of it. And it does, I think it kind of in that way, it, it makes it look even more, uh, absurd you know on ongoing conflicts and wars because it is like you know because humans do it too obviously and are we programmed how sentient are we and we just keep the same stuff going on and on and on just because it's it's passed on to us through various means and and we continue on these futile disagreements and wars and so on just because it's the way it's always been you know what was it? Was it Einstein? You know, if you keep doing things over and over again, expecting a different result, you're clearly not insane or something. Was that Einstein? I heard that. I'm not sure who said it. There was a. I've been binging um, Arrested Development, which I'd never watched before. So mm-hmm. like in you the too? second or thirds. Yeah, the second or third seasons. Season. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the third now, I think. But I think it was somewhere in the second season. <laughs> they they had a joke where. Um, <laughs> one of them was saying to the other like there were a couple of people arguing or something and the third guy like trying to butt in the conversation goes hey guys what's the defin- definition of insanity hey guys what's the definition of insanity <laughs> guys 
It's pretty good. It's funny. All right. Did you start watching because of Avengers? Because of all the little um, arrest and development Easter eggs in Avengers? Okay. Well, you know, the the Russo brothers, that's, that's they got their start. <laughs> directing all those things. It was. It is kind of freaky to watch a fifteen episode, a uh, fifteen year old episode of television, and see directed by the Russo brothers, and you're like, "What the what?" Anyway, that's not what our listeners are here for. A little off topic. Yeah, uh, let's let's do six degrees for prototype. Adam. Yes. Rick Worthy plays Automated Commander 122. He earlier played Automated Unit 3947 in Voyager's second season. Name the episode. A prototype? <laughs> oh, I thought I might get you with that. I guess not. Uh, <laughs> Steve's like, what the hell? <laughs> Steve Worthy played Janar in which season of Enterprise? Recurring character. Hmm. Gosh. Um, third? Yes, sir. Yep. He was a member of the Zindi Council. Cool. I almost put something in there about the Zindi. I'm like, no, that makes it a little too easy. Right, uh, right. Unlike, unlike Adam's prototype question. One to one, moving on. Alliances, Season 2, Episode 14, Production Code 131. Original air date, January 22nd, 1996. Directed by Les Landau. Written by Jerry Taylor. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Martha Hackett as Seska, Anthony DeLongis as Maj Kola, Charles Olucia as Mabus, Raphael Sabarge as Michael Jonas, John Guggenhuber as Jal Surratt, Simon Billig as Hogan, Larry Cedar as Tursa, and Miron E. Willis as Reddick. A Kazon attack takes the life of another Voyager crewman, this time the popular ex Maquis soldier Kurt Brenda. Chakotay, a good friend of Brenda, delivers the eulogy and tells of a time Brenda rescued him from angry miners. After the funeral, crewmen tell Captain Janeway Voyager should change the way it operates. Chakotay then voices a proposal of forming an alliance with one or two Kazon factions to secure peace, not to trade technology, but to offer protection from attacking forces and emergency supplies. All I'm saying, Captain, is that maybe there's little room for flexibility in interpreting Starfleet's protocols. Frankly, I'm not sure they were ever intended for situations like this. I haven't seen any evidence that they've let us down. Maybe this situation with the Kazon is the first example. Maybe we have to examine Starfleet's principles with a cold eye and ask ourselves if they're really applicable here. Steve, kick us off on alliances. All right. Um, still sick of the Kazon. This didn't <laughs> turn that around. Um, sick of them last time we talked about them. And Seska, you know, she does a great job with Seska, but I kind of get sick of that too. Um... So, I mean, I definitely remembered this episode, you know, the whole setup and the notion that they gather all of them together and turns out the Trabe is doing what they do. I, I kind of wish we would have, could have seen um, somehow or another, seen more of the, the Trabe and who they are and where they came from. And I get, we got the history lesson kind of, but, you know, as, as a people and a culture, that would have been interesting. Um, but obviously they have to speed through that so we can get to all the high points here. But, but yeah, you know, I just I, I'm not so interested in the Kazon and anymore. And um, also, I kind of feel like there are times in this where the 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 tone doesn't feel right. You know, like uh, uh, Janeway is just really some of her commentary with you know is really snarky early on in the episode against Chakotay in terms of 
you know, oh, we're playing with, along with your idea. And then when it doesn't work out with the, the Nistrum or seem to work out, she's kind of making snide comments and stuff. And that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. It feels harsh. Um, so I kind of have issue with that. Um, I guess that, that pretty much sums it up. My thoughts on this generally. I think I probably liked this episode a little more than you guys. I always kind of liked it. I think I like it because it feels, it feels different. It doesn't, it, it, I, I when it, when a show feels like they could, they could not have done it on another Star Trek, that tends to be a good thing to me. I tend to like that. Right. right. This doesn't feel like something, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe DS9, but mm, I don't know. Definitely not original series or, or enterprise or no way next gen definitely no way next gen you know so i don't know it, it has a little bit of a un- unique feel to me which I, I think i like the kazon don't bug me quite as much here because they're they're in it so little we don't have those we have like one short scene with with Kulla and seska right and there's not like four hours of that which is what it felt like in the other episodes um you know it has more to do with the the trade, and also we get just the tiniest, tiny bit of seeing what the the people that the species that that were the Kazon oppressors are actually like, and you can and just for the just a tiniest bit, you feel for a an instant a tiny bit of empathy for the Kazon. You kind of see where they what made them into who they are, and okay, the trade do kind of suck. They were oppressors and bastards. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's not, this episode's not great, but I think, I, I think I, I think I always thought, I thought it was kind of a solid episode. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm going to kind of fall in line more with Steve. Um, yeah, I'm so sick of the case on, um, a lot of this felt forced this, um, conflict between Janeway and Chakotay early on, you know, Chakotay trying to, to say that they needed to form an alliance with the Kazon. I mean, you know, it's as a viewer, you know, that's not ever going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And then they try to force a, um, a relationship with the Kazon Nistrum and Seska. And to me, that just seemed just totally ridiculous. I mean, you know, they've already had conflicts with these guys. Why would they even remotely consider trusting Seska or this, this faction of the Kazon? So it just seemed completely out of character for the show, the crew, and it actually kind of annoyed me um, that they went that way. So a lot of that to me just felt forced and unnecessary. Um, like I kind of agree with Steve. I think they could have, should have just went with, went the other way with the, um, this other species and we should have learned more about them. And that would have been a far better episode. And instead of having this, this calm, this conflict just to create conflict between Janeway and Jakote based on silliness that they were actually going to actually have a, an alliance with the Kazon that didn't involve some sort of, um, you know, sharing of weapons and other supplies. It just, it just seemed ridiculous to me. The Kazon, unlike a lot of other species, they are so uh, separated. They're, you know, they're different factions. They, they don't have their own individual alliances. They aren't, they aren't in the way that we reference so many others. Like you couldn't make such a, a poor job setting that up with these episodes that, you yeah. know, Hey, I'm, I don't I'm, want to be I'm, the guy that's defending the Kazon. Yeah, I mean, Please. I mean, they, no. some, <laughs> I'm just saying that this this kind of, this concept of forming an alliance with one of the factions is not something that uh, you would have could have done with, you know, I don't know, the Borg or the Romulans or whatever. Yeah. 
Well, my reasoning, because it's ridiculous, because they've done such a poor job with the Kazon throughout these first two seasons, it just seems totally unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it's just it's not going to happen. I mean, you know, you're not to me. It's like you're not fooling anybody in this episode thinking that there's going to be an alliance between a Kazon faction and Voyager by the end of this episode. It's just yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. You have they haven't they didn't do the legwork to to have this kind of episode. I mean, if they would have set up, um, if they'd have done a better job with the Kazon throughout the first two seasons, what they are, who they are, where they came from, maybe you could have had this episode, but no, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not believable to me. Well, I, I think, I think this is something that would, would be better. The, the, um, the notion of we're getting beat up really bad. We need to change our strategy, our way of thinking. Maybe we need to make alliances with unsavory people. It'd be nice to have that as an arc over multiple episodes in some way, shape or form, because I think what, what feel, what the problem is, is that, you know, it's kind of like at the beginning, all of a sudden we're getting roughed up. Uh, that kind of comes out of nowhere, right? Because it's not like we have this whole series of episodes that, Oh man, gosh, they're just getting banged up right and left. And then it's like this extreme notion of Kazon, who we generally have learned to not do anything with and distrust. Yeah, but we should like hook up with one of their factions. Great. Okay. And then we move forward and we learn about this whole culture that we'd never really touched on before. Then that all, it all wraps up. And by the end, it's like, you know what? It was a bad idea to, to uh, do any of this. I do lie with anyone. So forget it. It's, it's, I, I mean, not to say we want more Kazan over more episodes, but I think generally speaking, I like the idea of coming to terms with the fact that we're alone out here and we need to get some allies, but I don't think it's something that works well all in one episode. And, you know, unless you have, I don't know, something, maybe some different kind of, different idea or different storyline, but it felt like parts of this feel like it was, it's, it's just rushing through it. And then they kind of waste an opportunity to consider this idea of, you know, we need to, you know, get some allies out here. I definitely agree that it feels like a, a bridge too far, a step too far. I should say uh, that they would so quickly decide to talk with Kala and Seska. That seemed kind of silly. You know, maybe if they would have left that out and they just would have went to a, like a totally new sec, that would have been believable. But uh, just kind of. Or like Steve was saying, if they plant, planted some seeds for this sure. over multiple episodes, then they might have been able to get there. But just getting there in a few seconds was a little bit too much. I think, yeah, I think, I think the message here of, oh, you know, stick to your principles and this kind of thing they're trying to convey would work better if it sneaks up on you. If, if you kind of like find yourself getting away from your, you know, your values and your morals because you think it's necessary and just little by little, you find yourself in this position where, oops, who are we now? We're, we're siding with these people and we need to turn this around, but you can't do that in this, in one episode, really, I think very effectively. And that would have been interesting with the trade. You know, if they would have, you know, a couple of years ago, they they met up with them and they found out they had some commonalities. And then then all of a sudden you find out that there's these, you know, warlike culture that just wants to take over everything. That would have been a more interesting storyline. Well, you're starting to touch on it. So so what do you think this is about? A lot of them, you know, Steve touched on it, you know, you know, holding true to your values and knowing when to compromise your values for the greater good um, is is part of what I think this episode is trying to say. um, that's kind of what I got from it, you know, and it's, you know, learning the value of um, listening to everybody involved because, you know, I think that's what Janeway was kind of forced to do. You know, she she was forced to listen to Chicote and other people in her crew about how they're supposed to operate in the in this quadrant that where Starfleet doesn't exist. And it's it made her question 
and she's done that, but and she's done that in other episodes, you know, questioning how, um, how she can hold to her Starfleet principles at the same time in this, in this far, far away part of the um, galaxy and still hold true to everything. So kind of what I got from it. Yeah. You know, I mean, in extreme circumstances, you need to bend a little, or you're going to break, you know, and, and I think it's just one of those things that it, it, it's, um, I think it's a good lesson. I think they touch on that lesson, that moral in this, in this episode, I think it just maybe if it was executed a little differently or maybe over a couple different episodes, it, it may have uh, rang tr- a bit more true. Alrighty, let's do six degrees for alliances. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Charles Lucia plays Mabus, the Trabe dude that apparently thinks the best way to peace is to kill a bunch of Kazon. Mm. In Enterprise's first season, he played Captain Jackson Keen in the episode Fortunate Son. Mayweather takes an away team to Keen's ship. The crew is hiding a prisoner. What species was that prisoner? Oh, yes. Oh. It's like many of the elements of this episode are coming back to me, but the crux of it is escaping me here. Oh gosh, um, a Klingon? No, Adam. Um, I don't know either, but I'll I'll keep it in the fab- Vulcan. No, would it have helped if I'd given you the hint? Kind of gets you right here, and kind of patted where my heart is. No, Nasikin. Oh, right, right, right. I was making a tapestry yeah, reference. Sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Adam, Larry Cedar plays the Kazon Tursa. In DS9's second season, he played Nidrum in the episode Armageddon Game. Name the beverage that helps Keiko realize Miles is alive. Coffee? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the first time I've gotten a beverage question in. Uh, so let's see. Our score is 2-1, Adam. Moving on. Threshold, Season 2, Episode 15, Production Code 132. Original air date, January 29th, 1996. Directed by Alexander Siddig. Story by Michael DeLuca. Teleplay by Brennan Braga. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Raphael Sabarge as Michael Jonas, Miron E. Willis as Reddick, and Tarek Ergen as Lieutenant Ayala. <laughs> Voyager's crew discovers a rare, more stable form of dilithium that could power warp drive beyond warp 10. This would allow Voyager to reach the Alpha Quadrant nearly instantaneously. Although the holodeck simulations proved disastrous, Lieutenant Paris comes up with an idea after an off-the-cuff discussion with Neelix. The next simulation is successful, and a shuttlecraft is prepared for a full test flight. When I was a boy... My father used to tell me that I was special. That one day I'd do something significant. My teachers at school, all the kids, everyone used to say, Tom Paris is going to do something important when he grows up. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Threshold. Yes. So Adam like texted me last night, just a, just a frowny face, and he said threshold. But you didn't, you know, you didn't need to. You could have just texted me the frowny face. I would have known you were talking about threshold. Wow, I hated this episode the first time I ever saw it. I think it actually gets worse over the years, and it's certainly the worst episode of Voyager. 
Um, I've definitely met people that think it's the worst episode of Star Trek ever made. I would not agree with that. I'd probably rather watch this than a uh, lady in um, white dress running through the woods in Enterprise episode. <laughs> but it's pretty bad. And I think what's worse, the worst thing about it is by the time you get to the worst moment in the whole thing, when you see Janeway and Paris lizard people, and then you see their baby, the lizard babies, and that's like the height, that's like the climax of the episode. You know, maybe if that had been at the beginning, <laughs> but no, that's what it's all leading up to. This episode, I hated it when it first came out. I mean, there's a, a litany of problems with it. it's bad writing, it's bad acting, which you don't uh, even in not good episodes. I, I I've never been critical of acting, but the acting is not good in this episode. The writing's bad, story's bad. Um, the only thing redeemable I can kind of say about it is the doctor was amusing at times, but that's about it. Um, but I was telling Steve that um, this episode pissed me off so much when it came out in the '90s that it, it made me stop watching Voyager for a while. Wow, it, it it was just that bad, it, and I think it's I think that's more that's more in stomach of of the season. How you know this this has not been a this is probably the worst season of Voyager, and obviously you know when we get further in, we're going to be a lot more entertained by Voyager. They're going to have a lot of great things t- to show us, and it's going to be very entertaining. But this this season has been a a it's not been fun for for me just because every the the only good episodes are basically mediocre episodes in any other season and so that's kind of where we find ourselves and i think back then i was feeling the same way and i was just like you know what i'm done with this i have more time i have other things to do with my time besides watch bad star trek so um i also told steve i was like of all the glaring terrible things in this episode um what i discovered in this latest viewing of it is like so they found a way to break the warp 10 barrier um, and they found a way to counteract the um, the side effects. So why don't you continue with this to get home? And they don't explain that. And it's just it, like yeah, said, there's no mention of that whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you get there and you found a way to counteract, you know, the de-evolution or whatever the hell was going on with the characters in this. Um, yeah. Why don't you why don't you send Paris home tomorrow? And uh, yeah, it's just it's just bad all around. What I don't get is. On what planet did they think this wasn't going to be fucking awful? Like the lizard babies. I mean, I, it's, yeah, it's, it yeah. was an immediate joke. Like there was never a moment of of uh, appreciation or camp or thought or anything. This was just immediately bad and it was only ever going to be bad. And I don't understand how anybody ever thought it could be anything else. How are they not on set with the little lizard puppets thinking – Wait, this is Janeway and Paris, and they're, those are the, that sock over there is going to be their baby. They're having babies, the lizard babies. <laughs> Don't you think this might be awful? How is there not fifty people in a line telling them that? So you that's know, what I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. You know, I took I took more notes on this episode than I have to take on any episode in a long time. The why I did that was I was trying to figure out like how how did it get here? Why? How did this ever get into being? I mean, as you go, first off a couple points one the concept of it uh, you know so let's say in some crazy alternate universe this is an average episode or it's decent or something somehow or another like they change some things to make it not so crazy awful offensive bad um the premise is so like what you know it's kind of like it, it's like i was uh, it's the equivalent of like if you were to say you know what i think we can make 
cars fly by changing what fuel we put into them. It doesn't make any sense. There's there's no sense if you have any kind of science at all or you buy into yeah. the concept of what warp means and this this un, you know the tin what that would represent that doesn't make any sense that you could do that and just okay now we take a shuttle and we do some special thing to it and that, that is that's stupid then it just it just progresses worse and worse and worse and worse i mean i have first off kind of the only thing i think is like worth anything is the doctor has some pretty funny comments i like i like that's, the doctor's comments throughout that's funny Anyway, but as you go, I think when it starts to get like, oh, what's happening here is when he's in sick bay and it just goes on and on. He's ranting and carrying on and, you know, and kiss, kiss me. And it just gets weirder. And it just and, and somewhere in the middle of that, you realize, man, this is nuts. This is this is in awful top five worst territory as it goes. So by the and time it hasn't he, even gotten to the worst parts yet. No. <laughs> and then by, by the end, it's just kind of like it's like if you were just. It just it just totally falls off the planet, you know. It's like it's just it's off the rails, and it's just kind of like, well, whatever. How can we make this as dumb as we can make it by the time we get to the end? Like there's like some bet, you know, like there's some, some dare <laughs> or something by the end. How bad can we make it? And on top on to top it off, the tone is so weird. Like by the end, okay, so like let's just like state the premise independent of anything else. Paris and Janeway have turned into lizards, are down on a planet and having lizard babies, and we discover that, and it's a joke. Because Tuvok and Chote is Kim, I don't know who else down there, and they're just kind of like, are we gonna put in our log? Hmm, how are we going to explain this in the log? It's just kind of you waiting for them to look at the camera and kind of like make a silly expression, like, wah, 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 or something. You know, it's just, next what? Oh. It's just, just another day in the life. Janeway <laughs> yeah. is like, and they leave, they leave those know. babies. Uh, we we made it for whatever reason. Yeah, sure. Yes. Okay, fine. Yeah, great. Uh, and then the rest of the, her speech, everything else she says then seems completely tacked on. Right, right. It's like, <laughs> what does this have to do with the episode? I mean, it's just, it's, oh, God. Well, I, I'm I'm going to, it started getting bad when um, Janeway went into Paris's quarters and was like, oh, you can't make the test flight because there's a 2% chance that you're going to have a stroke. I mean, there's probably a 2% chance that the shuttle is going to blow off right when you go into warp 10. So I'm like, that would have been an easy fix. Maybe if she would have said it, there's like a 40% chance you're not going to survive. But 2% yeah. and you had to go through all that back and forth over a 2% chance that he might not survive because there's a possibility of a brain aneurysm. To me, that's like the least worrisome thing they should be worried about with this test flight. And they go through it. But, but even like I think uh, Kim has a line about – like they're all like wondering where he went, what happened to him, and Kim has a line: "If he did cross the threshold, then he could be anywhere in the universe." And <laughs> he's everywhere. In the everyone's universe. like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I'm like, "Wait, wasn't that the whole point? Yeah. Why is this a surprise? What? what? <laughs> it's it's just ridiculous." And then they leave the lizard babies on the planet. I mean, you know, what else are they going to do? I mean, they can't bring them back on the on to Voyager and explain that. But I mean, to me, that was even weird. Okay, you're going to leave those. Yeah. Those, that these new creatures on a planet and just yeah, that's, that's see what happens. That's that's the that's their responsibility, <laughs> and they just leave that to potentially evolve into whatever sentient beings are going to be on this planet. It's it's tor- it's uh, Paris's and Janeway's lizard babies. <laughs> They're Adam and Eve. Yeah, God, it's crazy. This is this is the craziness does not stop. See, Brian, I might watch the Enterprise episode before this one because at least you have scenery. In that episode, 
things to look at. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, this one is just it's just off the it's off it's, it's off the wall it's off it's just it's off the charts. Really bad. Like I said, the, I'm, I'm with Steve. The only thing the only thing I found amusing, like the first couple minutes of the episode were intriguing because it's like, oh, I like the idea, you know, a test flight, you know, a test pilot, Paris. That that kind of the first five minutes of the teaser was kind of interesting. But after that, it just goes straight downhill. And like I said, the only thing redeemable about it is the doctor is funny at times in the episode. And the doctor is an absolute genius. I don't care what simple explanation you give, but he turned those lizards back into them. Yeah. In like an hour. <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I, I had in my notes. I mean, because you know, you know, they went they went to warp ten and they ended up on this planet. To me, it's like it would have taken Janeway a while to de-evolve. So what went on while she was de-evolving? We didn't get into that. This yeah. makes no sense. You you do, evolution is dependent on the environment. You can't pr- project evolution. It's ridiculous. I mean, again, <laughs> there's so many things that if you have any. Idea of these concepts, they're absolutely absurd. To you know, this notion of this is what we'll evolve into. Well, given what you've got to have a condition. It is God. Like I said, I'm I'm not critical of acting very often in any of the series, but it was bad in this episode from top to bottom, except for maybe the doctor from top to bottom. It was just kind of like it's kind of like they looked at the script and saw that it was going to be bad and just kind of just mailed it in. Um, that's all I can kind of say. Do you guys have anything for what this episode is about? Um, I don't know. Wear a condom when you go to Warp 10? (laughs) (laughs) Crap. This is a totally forgettable episode, and I'm glad we're past it. For some reason, I thought it was in season three, and when I saw it came up in this season, I'm like, oh, God, well, at least I'm just, we're going to get through it. No, it's not forgettable. I mean, if it was forgettable, it wouldn't be on people's yeah. – this may be the fir- worst or second worst or whatever Trek episode, period, you know, kind of thing. It's not forgettable. It's, it's- <laughs> But I'd like to forget it. Brian, I mean, did you do any research on this? I mean, what do any of the actors or producers or writers have to say about this episode? Oh, yeah. Well – McNeil said the first time he read the script, he was like, what? Like, he was really like, what? But I think there's a level of, you know, you're, you're the actor and there's a level of trust that you have to put in. I, I'm sure there are plenty of times there have been scripts that people have been like, what? You know, but then, you know, there was a vision for it and it turned out, it turned into something. But this, I just, I don't see how it was ever anything but crap. I mean, I just, I don't, I'll never understand that. I don't, I'll never, ever get that. Even something campy like spock's brain i can see how on the page maybe oh this will be fun mm-hmm. i don't know but this i just don't see how it was ever going to be i don't know if, but at least you know that that level of camp that's in spock's brain you can watch it and and laugh and the cheesy but this is just this just makes you like you said you rage quit the show because of this episode <laughs> you know? uh, this episode just makes you mad <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about what is, what is it about? Well, the only thing that it's kind of like if you bookend it with anything, it's it's they're obviously trying to say something about Paris and that he's not just some, <laughs> you know, he's not a worthless, you know, he's got some he's kind of value lizard. now. But it's so uh, even that is absurd because it's kind of like it's so bookended. It's like let's start with here's Paris. I used to be nothing. By the end, it's kind of like let's rush through 
30 seconds of, oh, we had lizard babies. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, the crew thinks you're really something now. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> oh gosh. <sighs> Good times. All right. Let's do six degrees for threshold lizard baby. Adam has two. Steve has one. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Myron Willis plays the Kazon Reddick. He played a guard in Next Gen's fourth season in the episode Reunion. What species was he? Klingon. Wow, that's good. Steve? Yep. Brandon Braga later produced a TV series called Threshold that actually has no relation to this episode of Star Trek. That television show starred what Next Gen cast member? It also starred Peter Dinklage, I remember. It was one of the like major cast members of Next Gen. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, oh, I don't know. Show didn't last very long. Michael Dorn. Nope. Adam? Jonathan Franks. Brent Spiner. I guess you guys never watched Threshold. I watched it just for Brent Spiner. <laughs> but no, it wasn't very good. All right. Well, we made it. We survived Threshold. It, it only, it, it's only uh, up from here, guys. Yeah. 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 I said, we, I, yeah, we'll get past season two and things will start picking up for Voyager. Uh, everybody, Netflix, they're the toys that made us show. There's a Star Trek episode. It's like they marked it as season two, episode one. It's so much fun. I loved it. You should watch it if you like Star Trek toys. In fact, I think that they, you know, Playmates made a Paris as Lizard Man toy. Yes. <laughs> I have some in some box in my basement. <laughs> I think it's, I think they show him in that episode. I, I'm going to rewatch it because I liked it so much. But I, I think, I think Paris Lizard Threshold Man is in there. It comes with Lizard Babies. <laughs> yes, that's right. It did. <laughs> They did not mention that, but it did come with like four little lizard babies. I'm going to go dig it out, I think. <laughs> Play with it. <laughs> Release them into the wild. So we will be back in two weeks to not talk about Threshold when we discuss the next three episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion and our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. And uh, thank you for making it through Threshold with us. We did it together. And until next time, take it easy. Bye guys. See ya. They found a pasta.